And, and I'm excited for today uh, to, to intro myself a little bit more just so you can kind of see my family. My name is Nate, and I, I do serve here uh, as part of the lead team here at Sozo Church, and it's, it's incredible. And my wife and I, we get to serve here together. I would pull her up on the platform, um, but she's, like, super pregnant, okay? I, I, like, there's, like, different levels of pregnant. She's on the super pregnant level at this rate. It's all belly, too. It's kind of insane, but we have a picture, I think, hopefully. Yes, that's my wife and I. That's, oh, my gosh. And then... Our little girl is in there. She's due February 26th. What that means is it could be it could be now. Um, so I need to hurry up so that I am ready at, at any time. Um, but again, it's it's a, an absolute honor to to serve here at Sozo Church, and we're in our second week uh, of our Love Songs collection. And um, real quick, can we give it up for the worship team? The, the, I mean, that was incredible, fantastic. Amazing, and, and we're talking about relationships in this series. We're picking apart uh, the Song of Songs, and if you've never read that portion of the Bible before, it may make you blush a little bit, right? It's a little bit risky, uh, a, a little bit uh, sexual for what you would think the Bible would be. Um, but what we're doing is we're picking this, this section of the Bible apart, and we're looking at it as if it were like a love song. And there's a couple different ways that you can view this portion of the Bible. There's a couple different things that you can do. Um, but I want to give you a little bit of context and background. And just to let you know, it was written roughly uh, 965 B.C. So that's, you know, just shy of a thousand years before Christ was born. And there's, like I said, a couple different ways that we can view this portion of the Bible. And, and, and here's the first one. It's a Jewish tradition, meaning an allegory of God's love for Israel. There's another way you can look at it is Christian tradition or an allegory for Christ's love for the church. And the third way you can view it is modern tradition. And what that means is you can look at it as two people who fall in love and they're passionate about each other. They dream about each other. They go through some hard times and they, they have some kind of falling out, but then they, they, they reconcile. And, and all of a sudden, the end of this book is almost like you hit pause on, on, a, on a track and it's open-ended. And that's kind of the love that we're looking right for, right? Like that's how it should be, a love without an end. And so that's what we're talking about is how can we look at our life and look at our relationships and, and have a love like that. And, and the approach that we're going to be looking at it from today is that modern approach. It's that love song approach. And we're talking about dating and relationships. And, and let me just, I guess, maybe to, to ease some tension or to tell you a couple things that this message is not. This message is not coming from a relationship guru. I am the farthest thing from that, okay? Like, just being real. I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm a student. I'm somebody who is reading God's word and trying to learn from him. And so really, when we unpackage this together today, this is not me telling you something. This is us on a journey together so that we can have a relationship the way that God calls us to have relationship, okay? So don't think like, okay, who's this guy? He definitely is not. I mean, even though obviously I, I, I've landed quite, quite, quite the catch, I, I, that's, I smoke in mirrors, I guess. I, I made her believe something. You know, I just, I, I wiggled my way into that one. But this is us learning together. Never mind. <laughs> anyway. Um, this is us learning together. I'm not an expert. I'm a student, and hopefully we're all students today. And the second thing this message is not, this is not a message that will fix all of your problems. This is not a message that's like, uh, that, that will change your life because the things that we talk about, um, again, being God's word, they're only, the only power in them is in their application. So you could come here and listen today and say, I want that, God, but never do any of this stuff and your life will be the exact same. So this message will not change your life. 
but it's us again learning together and going through this together that will. And and the third thing, this is not this is not just a message for single people. Um, I know I haven't been married that long, but one thing I do know as a married man is that the, the, the marriage is not the end game. You might think it is, like, oh, once I'm married, man, smooth sailing, that's it. No, there's, there's a pursuit that happens after marriage that is almost, I believe, more difficult and, and more, but at the same time, more rewarding than, than the pursuit that you have before marriage. And so if you're in here and you've been married for one year or 50 years, my prayer and my hope is that as we learn together that, that you realize that this, this message is not just about dating, but it's about healthy relationships and how we can grow and pursue one another in love the same way that Christ loved. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this. And here's the whole theme of the book. It's Song of Solomon 1, 1 through 3. It says this, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder why the maidens love you. And all the ladies said, back up. Verse 3, any woman would want you, but you are mine. She wants him because the way he loves is delightful. His name is like perfume, highly valued. Even other women want him. Here's the goal of today. Again, it's not to learn how to date the right way or the right things to say or well, all these questions that we have. No, the goal of today is to understand how to live in love like no other. To have a love that oh, you're the envy of everybody else. I think that that's something that we may not cover a lot as Christians. You know, we, we could be an example in our business. Oh, that's amazing. We could be an example in the way that we speak or our joy or our patience. But the, an example in our love is so different and it's so powerful. So today, my prayer and my hope is that we walk out of here knowing how to be the people who love one another and love our significant others in a way that the whole world looks at us and like, man, how did, how did you get that? How do I love like that? How do I have a relationship like that? And be an example in everything that we do. And, and without further ado, the title of today's message is this. A season for everything. A season for everything. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Father God, for today. Thank you for every single person in this room. God, I pray that today that the words that I speak, they're not mine because my words, they don't matter. I, I have... Very little to add to this, but God, what you have is so important for us. So God, let me be your mouthpiece today. Let us walk out of here knowing you and knowing your plan for our relationships so that we can live and love the way that you did. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. A season for everything. Who loves seasons in here? Anyone love seasons? Okay. Like, you know, the change, the, the you know, it's like, oh man, when, when, it's, when it's fall, the change of leaves, or you know, when it's winter, it gets a little cold out, or when it's summer, it gets warm out, or if you're in San Francisco, you're not really sure what season it is, because we have like this weird Indian summer. It's like really strange. On the count of three, do this for me. I want you to yell out your favorite season. I'm going to let you think about it for like three seconds, and it's really awkward if you don't all do this, and I'll make you do it again. So let's just do it right the first time. One, two, three. Okay. See, it's, it's interesting. You know, you hear some summer and some winter. You hear some spring. Everyone has a different favorite season, fall or autumn, if you're real bougie. I don't know who calls it autumn. I've, just being real, as a white guy, I've only heard white people call it autumn. I'm just saying, like, it's a weird thing. But um, we all have favorite seasons. But I, one of what's funny to me is that in seasons, there's this really weird tension where it almost seems like we're constantly looking forward to the next one. We're never really content in a season, even if it's our favorite one, 
right? Like it's winter and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. I cannot wait until it's summer. I can be tan, okay? Sun's out, bun's out, like it's going to be great, okay? And then, then it's summer and you're like, oh man, it is so hot. It got to 90 degrees in my apartment. I lived in Florida for six years. 90 degrees is winter, okay? Like you, but we, we are always not so content in the season that we're in. We're looking for the next thing. We're looking for the next season because we think that that will bring us our happiness and our joy. Once it gets colder, we'll be better. Once it gets warmer, I won't be so freezing and vice versa. And, and we look towards these next seasons. And I think the funny part about all of that is this, is that we do a lot of that in our relationships as well. That seasons aren't just something that we experience as like the world seasons, but we are, as people, always looking for the next season in our relationship. And we're never content. There's that weird tension there where maybe you're in here and you are single as a Pringle and you're like, man, I cannot wait to, to be dating somebody. Or maybe you're in here and you're dating and you're like, I cannot wait to be engaged. That's going to be great. Or maybe you're here and you're engaged and you can't wait to be married. Or maybe you're here and you're married and you're like, i got to get rid of this person. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But you're always looking towards the next season. And you're never fully present in the season that you are currently in. But here's what the Bible says about seasons. In Ecclesiastes 3.1 it says this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. This is, I guess, simply put, great relationships understand the importance of seasons. Seasons are important. Seasons are things that we need to make sure that we cherish and we, we are aware of, that we know that the season that we are in, that there's a reason for that. Because there's a reason for every season under, under, the, under heaven. There are different seasons and different activities for every season. Not everything happens in one phase of life. I think that, that we kind of all could, could agree that we understand that from zero to like your late teens, early 20s, that's like a season of growth, right? Like you grow physically, you grow academically, you kind of learn things about life. But, and then after that, you know, it's okay, well, that's probably the time you work. And then after that, then you're retired. And that, those are the seasons you go through, I guess, broad picture as a human. But why do we apply those things to, to our, those parts of life but not to our relationships, why don't we cherish the seasons of, of, our, of our relationships in the proper way? I think the rela our relationships are the only things that, that we do and we say, you know, you just got to enjoy yourself while you're young. You know, just, just get it all out. You know, you just, you'll figure it out later, but just, just do whatever you please for a little while until you, and then you'll be tied down, the old ball and chain. Like, why do we make something that God designed to be so beautiful to be like a torture or death sentence? I'm being for real. It's half funny, half serious. I, I kind of play that game. Like, I don't know if I should laugh or, oh, okay, what, what's going on there? Like, for real, why do we look at relationships sometimes and we, we feel like it's something that hinders us when God designed it for something to be that makes us flourish and grow? It's because we don't appreciate the season that we're in. It's because we're not focused at the right time. We don't have our focus in the right areas. And honestly, it's because of the way that the world views relationships. See, the world has a really interesting view of relationships, but the reality is this, is that we can't follow the customs and the way that the world works, right? Like, we can't be so consumed by the world. And, and this is what the world did. I, I just want to give you some dating culture background. In the 1920s, that's when dating became a thing where there was no supervision. And you're, like, sitting there thinking, I cannot imagine being supervised on a date. Like, that's so weird. But what has happened since then is that's produced 
so many incredibly unhealthy relationships because there's no accountability there. There's no one there to help you out and help you grow in those things. And what I'll tell you before we get into this and before we unpackage God's plan for our relationships, I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple things. Uh, one, you may think it's weird because the way the world looks at things, you're going to be like, that's just not normal. That is outdated or antiquated or just straight ridiculous. You might say, sit here and think, you know, God's way is not normal. That is, that is not normal to do relationships God's way. Well, I don't know about you. I'm kind of sick of normal. I don't want normal. I don't want ordinary. I want extraordinary. I want an extraordinary relationship, not an ordinary relationship. I want an extraordinary marriage, not an ordinary marriage. And if we want to go from ordinary to extraordinary, we need to make sure that we're following God's plan in those relationships and the things that we do, and, and the way that we pursue life in our seasons. Because let me just tell you, normal is not working, clearly. Do you want to know what normal is in the United States? We have a 50% rate of, of divorce in the U.S. That means one in two. That's crazy. That's what normal is. I don't know about you, but I don't want normal. I want something much greater than that. And that's what God has for us. God has something so much greater in that. And we find that by understanding the seasons of life. But what are these seasons? What, what seasons are we talking about here? Well, the first season I want to kind of break down for you in, in our relationships is this, is the season of perception. The season of perception. There's a saying, there's a, a quote. I, it says that a lie believed is true will, will affect your life as if it were true. Simply put, your perception is your reality. When you, then this doesn't just apply for dating. This applies for your friendships as well. There is a season that you go through where maybe it's you first meet or you first start to get to know them, and a lot of things happen, and you start to gain a perception of what you think that person is or who you think that person is. And what ends up happening is so often the enemy likes to turn the season of perception into a season of deception. He likes to say, hey, this is what you perceive, but I really, he's going to deceive you to believe something that's not true about that person. And we start to put all of these hopes and dreams on these people, and they're not in the right place. And what ends up happening is we're so deceived by the enemy that we start to pursue these incredibly unhealthy relationships. We perceive that everything is perfect. Oh, all the love songs make sense. Oh, he's dreamy. Oh, man, she's incredible. He asked her out on a date, they're in love, and it's just all fine and dandy. But what ends up happening is as time goes on, you realize that your perception may have been a little bit off. And that season can start to pass. You realize that he's not perfect, and neither is she, and, and none of us are. That you can't be perfect. And what ends up happening is we then go from a season of deception and then we finally catch up with our season of perception. But we're so far into our relationship that we start to shut people out. We say, you know what, I, what, it could be two reasons. One, you are so deceived that you continue to believe those terrible things or, or those wrong things rather about that person. Or as people, we're afraid to be wrong. We have people in our life, whether it be family or friends, that will say, oh, yeah, I told you. I told you he wasn't right for you. I told you she was crazy. I th what I told you this, that. And, but we start to shut those people out because we don't want to admit, hey, you know, maybe I was wrong about this. Heaven forbid we're ever wrong. Again, I don't know about but 
None of us are perfect. But what ends up happening is in that season of perception, we start to believe these crazy things. And we start to pursue these unhealthy relationships if we're not careful. So how do we avoid doing that? How do we make sure that our season of perception doesn't turn to a season of deception? How do we make sure that our perception is correct about the person that we're pursuing and the, 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 the dating relationship or the current relationship that we're in? The first thing we have to do is this, is you have to limit your time. Limit your time. And this is what I'm talking about. You've got to limit your time alone with that person. You've got to limit your time alone with that person. And you're like, wait, what do you mean? What I mean is do stuff in groups. Here's, I guess, a, a, a litmus test for me if, if your relationship is healthy or not. If you're afraid to bring the person you're interested in around your friends, probably not the right person for you. Or, okay, let's, we're, we're all, I guess, you know, we're in church. Let me, I'll do the Christian answer. If you're afraid to bring your significant other to church, they probably shouldn't, and whatever. Like, but for real, though, like, if you're afraid to bring that person in your circle, that's, that's not a healthy thing. And what ends up happening is we just, we pursue these relationships and it's all one-on-one alone time. Well, there's nobody else around us to catch our blind spots. There's nobody else around us to say, hey, there's kind of a red flag I have here. But maybe even on the alternate, there's nobody around us to help affirm the the great parts about our relationship. I don't want to make this all like doom and gloom. Like our friends and our family, they're supposed to help us out in both ways. Not just say, oh, no, not good. Like, They're supposed to help you. Allow them to help. Limit your time alone with that person. Don't abandon your life and your family and your friends. We all have that friend where you're like, oh, she's in a relationship. Won't see her for five months. Like, you know what I'm talking about? And then they come back five months later. You're like, what's up? Like, I told you. Like, we all, don't be that person. Allow people in your life, limit the time that you have alone with that person. Include them in your life. Introduce them into your circle. Because your circle will help you. They'll help you live a better life and have a healthier relationship. They're here to help you, not to hurt you. That's why we do small groups. If you're like, I don't have a circle, we have a lot of circles designed for you. Just get plugged into one. You you got to limit your time alone. The second thing we have to do to make sure our season of perception is healthy is you got to limit your talk. And what I mean by that is is this, is be careful. Don't, Don't put so much pressure on the relationship to start. We have like, I don't, I don't really understand, but it's like people on the first date, like he said he loved me. Great. Like that sounds like a psycho to me. Like you don't even know me. How do you love me? Right? Like we, ha- we put all these really heavy, oh, he's the one. Have you talked to him for like three minutes? Like it's just, it's just not how life works. It's not how great relationships work. you got to put the pressure off a little bit. Because then what ends up happening is when that pressure is on, that person starts to put up a front of who they feel like they should be for you instead of who they really are. And you start to believe things about this person of who, who they're trying to be versus who they really are, and that is not good. you got to make sure that you limit your talk. Make sure that you're healthy. I'm putting so much pressure on it. And the last one, I, I shouldn't have to explain this too much, but I will, I guess, is you got to limit your touch. you got to limit your touch. I, a lot of incredibly unhealthy relationships are built off of physical ones. And here's the reason why. Is we could, because as a society, we believe that physical decisions are strictly physical. 
that there is no deeper value to that, but that is the farthest thing from true. Do you know that your physical decisions also are spiritual as well? That when you cross those lines with that guy or that girl and you go too far, you are creating what are called soul ties with them. And you're starting to, to do married things before you're married. And, and what you're going to do is you're going to end up setting yourself up for, uh, for a lot of failure and also a lot of heartache. Your physical decisions are not just physical. No, they're spiritual as well. You've got to limit your touch. And that's done by doing the other things that we talked about. Invite people around your circle. Get them in your group. Limit your talk. Don't be up at like 1 a.m., like, you know, late night texting every day, all day, sliding them DMs, like whatever. Like you got to limit those things so that you can set yourself up for success and limit your touch because that will help you have a healthier relationship. Healthy relationships are not built on physical things. Physical things are just like the bonus points. Like the health is, is, is in the emotional. The health is in, is in the, the partner that you find and the strength that you have, which leads me to kind of my, my next season of life, and that's season of preparation. Season of preparation. Song of Solomon 2, 11 through 12, it says, See, winter has passed and the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, and the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves are heard in our land. What it's saying is it's talking about preparation. See, wintertime, I mean, I'm originally from the Northeast, so wintertime, you didn't go outside ever. I'm from Buffalo, I'm sorry. But you didn't go outside ever. Like, it was too cold, too windy, too everything. And so what you would do is you would clean up your house inside. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a cleaner house than our house when it was wintertime because you're so bored, you just clean. Like, you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to clean. Like, i got to do something. And so you prepare things inside. But then when spring and summer hit, well, then you can explore and you can go out. And, and that illustration helps us see that there are some times that you need to be in a, a winter season before you go into your spring of when your relationship is. Meaning you need to prepare internally before you have an external relationship. You need to prepare your heart internally before that, that manifests itself in a healthy relationship externally. You got to be okay in your winter season. You got to be okay doing a little bit of winter or spring cleaning before summer comes so that you're able to be the person that God has called you to be in that relationship. And then you're able to have that healthy relationship that you've been looking for your whole life. There's a, a, I guess an easy point there is that your spring will be a direct result of your winter prep. Your spring will be a direct result of your winter preparation, meaning your marriage will be a direct result of the preparation that you're making now. And again, I don't mean this just for single people because there are seasons in a marriage as well. So gentlemen who are married, your marriage will be a direct, like a year from now will be in direct result of how you're preparing your heart for that next season right now. How you're connecting with God, how you're connecting with your wife, how you are loving and leading your family. There is a season of preparation for all of us. We just need to be aware of it you got to make sure that you understand that there is a season of preparation. I, I don't know if you know this, but in Jewish tradition, preparation for a marriage was over a year long. The groom would go with, uh, with his dad, and they would prepare for over a year, and he would teach him the ways of the Lord. They'd build a house together, and only when the father said, okay, now you're ready to get married, would, would it happen. 
And for the brides, it would be the same thing, but with their mother. The mother would teach them how to be a godly wife and how to, how to live a, a great life. And, and one of what's crazy, too, is their purity was so protected in that, in that point. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But their purity was probably the greatest gift that they could give to the groom. And, and, and what, I don't know if you know this, but a wedding party like the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, that was a tradition of protection. Those people were supposed to be around you to protect your mind, your heart, and your purity. That's where that party came from. It came in a season of preparation and protection. you got to make sure that you are respecting that season because I think about how different things are today. It's, it's, it's not like that. For some reason, the world is like on hyperdrive with your relationship. It's like, oh, you started dating, move in together. Sounds like a great idea. We, we have to have a season of preparation first. And so how do we do this? How do we prepare the right way? Well, the first thing I want to I point out is, is in, in your season of preparation is it's not, your season of preparation is not time for you to find the right person. That's not your prep. Your season of preparation is to become the right person. Stop trying to find the right person and start becoming the right person. That is so crucial and so important. And I, I, I have this soapbox that I would try to communicate with our college students for years uh, when I was a part of that ministry in Florida. Is There's this, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to like cool myself down because I don't know why this like frustrates me. There's this poetic, romantic thing of you complete me. I can... You complete me? That's just, that's just weird. You, you, your job as another human is not to complete another human. Really what you should be is you should be two whole people coming into a relationship. Because here's the reality is you will never find completion in a person. You can only find that in God. So you need to stop. I'm going to wait for a second because you got to hear this. You need to stop looking for people who are going to complete you and start looking for people who are going to compliment you. Do you know what a compliment is? It makes you better. Because here's the deal, is that people can make you better, but they cannot make you whole. I'm going to say it again. People cannot make you better. I'm sorry. They, people, what, what, reverse. Woo, okay. People can make you better, but they cannot make you whole. Only Jesus can do that. And the only way that we recognize that is we stop trying to find the right person and we start trying to become the right person. That song, All of Me Loves All of You, like when someone says all, I don't think of a fraction. All, here's half of me. No, 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 all. You can't give someone a whole part of you if you're not a whole person. I think about Josh's pizza explanation. If someone says they're going to give me all their pizza, I think I'm going to get a whole pizza. If some, I'm going to give you all my pizza and they give me a slice, I'm like, what's up? Like, where's the rest of my pizza? All, meaning a whole person, meaning becoming the right person in that season, in your season of preparation. It's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the person that God wants us to be, becoming whole. And, and what this does, too, is that this actually gives you something to offer, right? Like, people are like, well, I don't know if I want to wait that long. Well, the thing is, is that it's anything worth having is worth waiting for. And that, that waiting period is, is not meant to hinder you, but it's meant to help you. It's meant to, to make sure that you actually have something to bring to the table in a relationship, 
Because what ends up happening is when you find your completion in a person and they fail you, and let me just tell you, they will. We're human. I'm not speaking death of your relationships. It's just reality is that there will be times and seasons that people will fail you. And so if you find your completion in somebody and then they fail you and they leave you or whatever that may be, well, then you're an incomplete person again and you're just broken and you can't move on. What I love about my relationship with Kayla is that this is going to sound really morbid, but please take this the, the correct way. If I, if I were to leave today, yeah, would she be hurt? Absolutely. We talk about this all the time. So this is not like new news. So she's like, what are you going to say? Um, if I were to leave tomorrow or something crazy would happen, yes, would it hurt? Absolutely. Would it be hard? For sure. But she could move on. Because she doesn't find her completion in me. She finds it in God. She is an incredible, strong person for that. See, and, and that, that, what it does too is it takes the pressure off the relationship. I almost feel like it, it keeps you more loyal because you don't feel like I have to do this. You're like, wow, we get to do this together. We're two whole people just going through this life and doing the best that we can. It's not just like, oh, we're going to try to make it as half people. <laughs> like, it's better that way. You got to stop trying to find the right person and become the right person. The next thing we have to do is this, is we have to walk in love. Walk in in love. I, I love this. It says, you don't fall in love because love is not a ditch, right? Like, you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Like, you know, love at first sight. I, I you know, I, I may have an unpopular opinion, but I, I personally do not believe that there is one person out there for you because I believe that love is a choice. You choose who you love. I can choose today or tomorrow to stop loving my wife. I'm not going to, I promise, but I could and obviously things would look very different for me. But love is a choice. And the only way that we're in a proper place to make that choice is if we honor this season of preparation. Is if we make sure we become that whole person that God has called us to be. We have to walk in love. You have to choose to love in the hard times. You have to choose to love in the easy times. You have to walk in love consistently. Again, and this is not just for single people. This is for everybody here. Again, guys, you know that once you got married, everything wasn't fixed. We wish it was that way, but that's not the case. What you have to do is every day make the choice, I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to make sure that I'm always fighting for my spouse, even when they're driving me crazy. I'm going to make sure that I'm always pursuing them in a healthy way. Because you have to walk in love. And the only way that you can do that properly is by being a whole person, being the right person, not just finding the right person. You have to walk in love. And, and, and here's the deal. I don't know any relationship that can be truly successful if, if they don't learn how to love, to forgive, to cover to protect all these things that 1 Corinthians 13 says. This, 1 Corinthians 13 is not just a poetic thing they read at weddings. Like, oh, wow, that's cool. Like, that's actually how we are supposed to love one another. And that's how our relationships thrive. Which, which leads me, as we talk about covering and protecting, it leads me to my last point, or my last season, rather, is the season of purity. The season of purity. Let me read this. Song of Solomon 2, 15. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. See, I don't know if, if you understand why they, they talk about this, but the reason why they say this is because um, what the foxes would do is they would go and they would eat the buds of the plants before they were fully mature and ready. 
And so it kind of paints a picture of our purity and above, uh, about how the world wants to take our purity before we're really ready. See, the world, it says that you can do whatever with whoever, whenever you would like. But what's happening is, is the world is like that fox. It's eating the buds of, of, of our purity. It's eating those things before we are ready and fully mature for that. And again, this is not just for single people. My wife and I have actually just walked through a really hard season with people that we're very close to that have been married for over 15 years because they did not put purity as a priority. So purity, it's not just something that just, it, you know, it just happens. Or once you're married, you, you know, you're pure, that's it. Like, that's, that's not how it works. You need to make sure you respect and honor the season of purity. You don't want that to be taken away before it's ready or fully mature. I, I don't, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like doom and gloom, but there's a, there's a principle there that you, you, pra- you will play like you practice. And what I mean by that is whether it be, uh, you know, maybe you're not in a relationship right now and you're going through the dating and dumping cycle where you date somebody and you dump them and you go through that over and over again and you go from person to person to person and then you finally find someone that you want to marry well, that's great, but I can guarantee you this, that if you're not practicing or, or, or believing in a season of purity before that, it's not going to be really easy after you're married. Marriage doesn't fix it. You're not like, oh, wow, I don't see anybody or anything else now. Like, you need to make sure that you walk in that and you respect that season of purity because what will end up happening, and, and that's why our divorce rate is so high because we have so many people who are just going through that cycle. And I don't. And this is not saying that uh, that that I'm, I'm ever minimizing your feelings or trying to make make whatever your rational explanation of your lack of purity is. I'm just trying to submit to you God's perfect plan for your how God can make you successful in your marriage and in your relationships. And that's by understanding and honoring a season of purity. And the reality is this, is that it's, it takes two to be pure, for sure. But the responsibility is, is, is in the men. I, I want to speak to the men just for a few seconds here, is, is that, guys, it is our job and our responsibility to lead our significant others. And you need to make sure that you are leading from a place of purity. And guys, I just, I want to let you know, maybe you're in here and you're married. You're like, oh man, my porn addiction, my wife doesn't care about that. Wrong. I don't know why there's something in my heart as I speak about this, that there are, there are people in here who, whether they be single or married for a long time, that there is still a a season of purity that they've not honored. I want to encourage you, just start to do that. Because you will see God change your life in incredible ways if you honor that season. And how do we stay pure? How do we do that practically? I have three quick things as we close out here. The first thing is this, is you got to put parameters around passion. Put parameters around passion. Song of Solomon 3.5, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and the doves of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. What that's saying is you got to put parameters around your passion. You know, building a fire is a great thing. Keeps you warm, roast marshmallows, cool. Like, but containment is, is the real key. Containment is the real key. Being, building a fire is great, but containment can be an issue. And I believe that there are some of you in here who are building fires in the wrong places. 
you got to learn how to contain those things. Song of Songs 8.8 says this, Love is like a fire, but we know that fire can be destructive without parameters. you got to put parameters around that passion. And again, I, I just wanna, I want to, God does not condemn you for your passions. And I'm not trying to minimize your, your feelings. Maybe you're like, oh man, I'm young and I'm single and I, you don't know what it means. I'm not trying to minimize that, but what I'm trying to say is redirect that passion somewhere else. Put parameters around that passion and use it for things of God, not things of this world, and watch how he works. Watch how he changes your life and your relationships and everything about you. Put some standards in your life. I'm not going to sacrifice my relationship with God because of what the world may say. I'm not going to sacrifice how close I am to him because of what my boyfriend or my girlfriend wants me to do. If you're in a, again, this is, I guess another random thought as I'm going along. If you're in a relationship that's built on, on physical things, and maybe you're in here and you're in an in a unhealthy situation, you say, Nate, but you don't understand. If, if, if I'm not physical with them, they're going to leave me. Let them leave. Like, if I'm not physical with them, they're not going to love me anymore. They don't love you now. Because love doesn't do that. Love respects the season of purity. I, just, I think it's crazy how, how for some reason, again, we, we put so many parameters on so many things except for an area like this. I think about that divorce rate of, of one in one two, essentially. 50% of relationships, they end in divorce. What if I told you that you had a 50% chance of walking out of this room and losing everything you have, losing all of your money? You'd be like, okay, I'm not going to play that game. I'm sitting in this room. Like... You would put those, those boundaries and those guidelines up for your money or your, your items, but you don't put them up for your relationships, which are way more valuable? Why is that? That's not right. We need to put a higher value on our purity, a higher value on our relationships. And what do we do? Let me just say that in this statistic of divorce, one study also revealed that only one in every 1,200 couples got divorced. And I say only one. I mean... Obviously, we're, we're, not, we're looking for a zero, but only one in every 1,200 couples got a divorce if they just did three simple things on a regular basis. They pray together, they discuss the Bible, and they attend church together. And this is not my plug, like, come to church again. Like, we're not here to get something from you. We're here for something for you. And this is a study that was made. And, and here's my thought as, I, as I, I read that. We talk so much about the weather and about politics and about our jobs. Why don't we take a little more time and talk about God? Why don't we take a little bit more time in our marriage and talk about what Jesus is doing and not what the, our politics are doing or whatever, this side or that wing or left wing or right wing. Whatever. Why don't we talk about Jesus for a little while and see how he changes things and things don't just stay the same and get mundane and get boring. Why don't we put a higher value on that and watch how God works? You say that, you know, the way that God did it, it's just crazy. It's weird, but maybe he does have it right. The last couple things here is, is you know, like, Nate, I, I don't know if I have the strength to do that by myself. Well, use your family as a safeguard. Your family is there for you. My mom had this saying, and I knew every time, like, it was just a friend that was a girl in high school that I would, like, bring around our house. And I knew automatically whether or not she liked this girl or not. If when we walked in the door within the first five minutes, she goes, hey, Nate, 
trash goes out on Thursdays. She would literally say that. And you're like, oh, you're, you're like, I did not think that was going there. I'm sorry. I just, I hit, I hit you with that one. But it's funny and it's a little morbid and a little mean, but she was trying to protect me because she saw something that I didn't see. Use your family as a safeguard. My mom was like the scout for Kayla. She like, I don't know if she had applications going or what, but she, she like, my mom was like, you need to be with this girl. And she was right. You got to use your family as a safeguard. And maybe you're, and I, I, the word family, I hate how the enemy has also twisted that to be a, a bad thing. I don't just mean you're necessarily like your blood family, but your spiritual family. The people in this room, again, that's why we do small groups. Because we know family is not created in this room. Family is created in our lives and in circles and in small groups. And that's why we do small groups. So that you find a family that you feel connected with and protected by. So they can help you in all walks of life, especially when it comes to relationships. Use your family as a safeguard. And the last thing is this. Is that maybe you're in here. As we close, and you say, you know what, Nate, that all sounds great. I, I could try that, but I, I've, I've messed up too much. I've gone too far. It's no use for me, man. I, I wish I would have heard this a long time ago. The last thing I want you to do is this, is let Jesus make you new. I know what's incredible about our Lord and, and what, about, what Jesus did for us is that he came to make old things new again. He came to bring life to dead areas. And so maybe you're in here and you, I don't know what you've done or where you've been. But why don't you try this? Why don't you stop looking at your past and say, hey, from this day forward, let me try it this way. From this day forward, you know, I may have not been pure in my past. I may have not been prepared in my past. But I, from this day forward, let me just check this out. Here's, let me challenge you. Why don't you give God the same amount of time you've given the world? Maybe you've been in here and you've been scoping and hoping for 20 years. Why don't you give God 20 years and see how his way does it? But half that, a quarter of that. And watch how God shows up and shows off because we serve a God that does immeasurably more, not just in our finances or our jobs or anything, but he does immeasurably more in our relationships if you believe it and you pursue him with everything that you have. Give God that time. And watch how he works. He wants to make it possible. That's why we believe that the healthiest relationships, man, they, they come from living a God-first life. You got to understand there's a season for everything. Let's embrace that season and become the people and have the relationships that God wants us to have. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads and we'll pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Father God, for today. Thank you for every single person in this room. And God, I pray that right now that you would just be speaking to our hearts. That we would put a higher value on ourselves. No one else is going to raise our price tag. That we would put a higher value on ourselves, our relationships. And that we would live the way that you've called us to live in those things. That we would love like you love. With everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I just want to ask you very quickly, maybe you're in here and, and this is just the first call I'll make, is that maybe you just, 
You just want to try relationships God's way for a little while, but you need strength to do that. I'm going to pray for strength for you because, again, um, I can't be with you every day of the week and make sure you do this. So the power is in the application, but we will pray for God's strength. And maybe you're in here and you're single or maybe you're married and you've been married for 30 years, but you've not put some of these things in play and you just want God's strength to be able to do that. On the count of three, just briefly, you don't need to hold it up there high. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Wow, thank you. You just want to do it God's way for a little while. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You just want to try it out. Thank you, thank you. He will do immeasurably more in that. You can put your hands down. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much, Father God, for today. Thank you for all the hands that were raised and the hearts that are ready for you to do immeasurably more in their relationships, for them to understand that there's a season for everything so that when we look back years from now, we can say, you know what? That day marked my relationships, not because of a message I heard or the words that that preacher said, but because of the application of what we talked about, that we're able to live out the life that you've called us to live. All this, your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.